The emotional pain that comes with mental health disorders and addiction can sometimes be too much to bear. Unfortunately, sometimes individuals turn to self-injury in an attempt to regulate their emotions. My name is Haley, and on today's episode of Straight Talk with the Doc, addiction medicine specialist Dr. Bott is going to explain why someone would hurt themselves and how self-harm and addiction may be linked. There are varying levels of self-harm from minor to major injuries, but it may be more common than many people think. Dr. Bott, Statistics from one study I came across stated that about 17% of all people will harm themselves at some point. How often do you actually see this in your field? Well, statistically, you know, the ranges have been, depending on what articles you cite or the research you cite, it's between 15 and 20% prevalence um, around the world. Um, You know, in, in our field, due to the fact that addiction and mental health are risk factors for somebody to harm themselves. Um, We do see that quite a bit. I see probably in anywhere from 20 to 40% of individuals um, that we are brought in to evaluate for potential self-injury or suicidal ideation. But um, it's common. It's pretty consistent with the numbers that uh, we, we see. And, and it's probably about up to a quarter of the, the population um, that, that I see in treatment. And what are these people doing? What is the most common method of self-harm? A lot of times we do see in, in a younger population, that's when we see it start. Cutting is often a common uh, methodology. Um, when it's mixed with somebody who suffers with substance abuse, it it can vary because there are symptoms of certain substances that lead to physical sensations that often coexist with the non-suicidal self-injurious behaviors that might be coming from their mental illness. For example, somebody who might be cutting or, or picking at their skin, um, due to obsessive or compulsive um, thoughts and behaviors who might also be using methamphetamines or cocaine. Unfortunately, methamphetamine and cocaine can also lead to somebody having sensations of crawling on their skin that further um, negatively reinforces them skin picking. So, um, but cutting issues with skin, uh, skin mutilation, burning, that's often the more common things that we, we, we come across. So what kind of relief does this provide for those who are self-harming? Well, really, there's, there's a lot of, um, I think, theories that I would, I would say, use that term, um, that people have uh, researched as to why somebody would deliberately hurt themselves. You know, we, we have to look at and distinguish the intent, you know, um, that helps classify, was it a suicide attempt? Was the intent of anybody's self-harm to actually die or is it for non-suicidal self-injurious behaviors, you know, for some other reason? And I think what you're asking is, what's those other reasons? And, you know, um, those have been explored, but they really haven't been mastered. But some of the theories that have come across are that, you know, often people um, do self-injure without the intent to commit suicide due to relief, you know, trying to relieve themselves from certain types of pain. Some hypotheses exist that when you cut yourself or harm yourself, there's potentially this internal release of 
um, what we call endogenous uh, endorphins, like your own natural opioids that are relief, uh, released that could cause someone to feel a sense of euphoria or relief, and that will alter or, or regulate certain emotions. Sometimes people will cut or harm themselves uh, actually to, to provide self-soothing and, and self-care. And that might sound somewhat, you know, paradoxical, right? You know, when you're cutting, how are you caring for yourself? But that's often when people who are so uh, detached or dissociated that they feel only alive or um, focused on themselves once they actually harm themselves. Uh, other things people might, um, you know, cut themselves for is to seek attention uh, from others. Um, we're not saying that all people who cut themselves are doing it just for attention seeking, but that is often um, why people might harm themselves. So, um, you know, those three plus there's a multitude of other reasons. Um, and, and intoxication is another, you know, sometimes people who are intoxicated become so dysregulated um, and we become so disinhibited that the negative emotions will arise and lead to us to feel self-loathing and uh, poor self-esteem and disgust. And then often we, we want to punish ourselves. And then that often leads to people self-harming. For the populations that are getting this relief, this you even mentioned like the word euphoria, is it possible for them to be addicted to self-harm? Yeah, that's, that's a, another whole, um, you know, potential uh, disorder uh, that's still further being explored um, in, in psychiatric and behavioral sciences. But um, yeah, there's often a, a component of this almost obsessive ruminating thought that somebody needs to actually self-harm that creates a, her, a whole level of anxiety. They get so pent up that until they actually harm themselves, they don't get relief. And again, I want to clarify that a lot of this is not to do with actually wanting to kill themselves or commit suicide, but it's this negative relationship with um, themselves, um, with their mental health, and um, it, 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 it creates a cycle, and that can become somewhat addictive, and uh, where people are very consumed with those obsessive thoughts, um, and, and until they actually self-injure, um, they don't get that relief. Um, does self-injury, does that always predict a future suicide attempt? We have to be able to uh, differentiate um, intent. You know, many people who have um, self-injurious behaviors are not intending to actually die. But the risk factors for actual suicide attempts are previous suicide attempts, the presence or absence of a mental health disorder, often being single, unmarried, not having good support system, uh, substance abuse, um, those are all risk factors for uh, future suicide. But um, I warn people that when they're dealing or working with people who have uh, non-suicidal self-injury, not to just assume because of their previous non-suicidal self-harm that they're not going to potentially cross over into suicidal intended self-harm. So we just have to keep cautious of that also. But usually um, the things I mentioned um, earlier, uh, those are risk factors for um, suicide attempts in, in, in the future. Dr. Bot, I'd like to talk about the association between self-injury and substance abuse. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, a, a common risk factor for both is the presence of um, mental health issues. You know, mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, 
uh, other mental illnesses are risk factors for somebody to, with other things, to develop addiction and substance use disorders. And it's it's those so those people also who um, often have risk factors for um, self injurious behaviors. You know, in, in the adolescent population, 12, 13, 14, uh, early teenage years, we often see the first attempts uh, of people who may self harm without the intent to to necessarily uh, commit suicide. But that often is a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism for um, negative feelings, um, being bullied. Um, developing depression, feeling isolated, uh, feeling like they don't fit in, oftentimes, you know, leads to dysregulated emotions. And sometimes cutting brings a sense of control. Uh, and and again, we, we discussed earlier the many theories why people might self-harm. But um, again, it could bring them relief. It could uh, bring them into a derealized, derealized depersonalized, detached state uh, or state of mind. But, you know, uh, often the fact that somebody gets a reward, gets a relief, um, similar to when we use substances. So that whole cycle of introducing a behavior or a substance that relieves us from a negative situation um, kind of brings that association between self-injury and self-harm or negative behaviors and substance use. So they are correlated. And if something leads to a reward um, that actually plays into the same cycle that um, addiction does. Because addiction, dopamine, um, certain areas in the brain, uh, they have common pathways and then it develops a common behavioral uh, relationship. And so we see that in behavioral addictions, substance use addictions, and often um, these cunning behaviors or self-injurious behaviors can follow that same pathway. Okay, so they're almost doing it for like the same reason sometimes, looking for some sort of relief. Yeah, definitely. And what typically comes first, drug and alcohol use or self-injury? It it really depends on the individual. We often will see, you know, um, again, in that specific population, when we we look at the the research and the studies that are out there, most people who self-injure, are, are younger. They're 12, 13, 14. We see that. And that's what we're talking about, non-suicidal self-injury. So that often predates any substance use at that time. But then we, when we get older, we see less prevalence of people who have non-suicidal self-injury. It, it, it's lessened as um, we get into adulthood. But then when we talk about major types of self-injury, the actual possible suicide attempts, the major types of uh, skin cutting or other bodily harm, uh, amputations, that often happens when we're intoxicated. And so addiction there may play a part or being under the influence of a substance may play a part in a different type of self-injury that uh, might be more significant or severe. And people who are, you know, suffering with depression uh, or or other type of mental health issues, um, you know, it does get, um, you know, worsened when you're when we're when we're using so that leads to that impulsive type of self-injury that unfortunately could be irreversible where we might take something or we might take a gun or take amount of pills overdose and 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 ultimately it does lead to um to death so um it's really fascinating to explore and to look at 
but it's also um, something that, you know, as healthcare providers and, uh, you know, loved ones or family members or people who are suffering from it, you know, to, to, to make note of all of these things. Because um, although we have seen statistically maybe some of these uh, self-injurious behaviors and suicidal behaviors um, maybe plateaued out, um, it's still uh, a, a big problem uh, in the United States and around the world. So are you saying that someone is more likely to self-harm while under the influence of drugs or alcohol? What I'm saying is that when we see self-injury in an emergency setting, often alcohol or drugs play a part in up to 25 to 40% of these individuals. Um, and then also people who have substance use disorders potentially have increased risk for suicide. So there is a, a significant association. If someone's listening to this, you know, this could be a friend or a parent. Um, what are some signs that somebody is self-harming? A lot of times, you know, people do self-harm on, on their on their bodies, you know, their thighs, they start cutting on their thighs or their arms, um, and and they feel guilty about it. They don't want to expose it. It's, it's, it's shameful. So you'll start to see a lot of, like, changes in the way that they um, wear their clothing. A lot of times people who might be walking around in, in shorts or t-shirts where their extremities are exposed are going to start to be wearing uh, a lot of things covering them up and so that's like you know if you see a pattern where people just start to change their attire and there was some history of you know depression or whatever there you know you want to look into that fact and maybe seeking you know is there a concern sometimes you see items missing in people's houses you know, um, when we're dealing with a lot of adolescents, I've seen, you know, as a child and adolescent psychiatrist as well, I've seen, you know, uh, parents report that their knives uh, or utensils went missing. And, and they're often found in the child's bedroom and the child's bedroom is where the child was cutting and, you know, doing and hiding. So, you know, when you see behavioral changes, um, things missing, changes in uh, attire, or you see, you know, cuts, um, uh, sequential things, you know, they might not always get hidden. If you see cuts or, or, or skin marks that, um, don't, you know, don't appear to be, um, easily explained, you know, you probably want to, uh, investigate there, um, and, and, and you know, uh, tactfully question that person, you know, oftentimes people will get very defensive. It's a very sensitive thing. Nobody's often proud of uh, hurting themselves and harming themselves. And uh, often that can lead to a really um, difficult response. But at the same time, you know, it, as a parent, especially because we're talking about populations that are often very young, um, we need to look And at. what treatment options are available for those who are struggling with self-harm, you know, a child or an adult? You know, there's two mainstays of, of, of treatment, and, and that's often therapy or, 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 or medications. Um, I'm of the mindset that we want to be conservative first in, in the sense that we want to try um, not to add medicine if we can do something without it. But at the same point, it really depends on the degree of the impairment and the underlying issues. If somebody's cutting um, and it's not really due to an underlying major mental health issue, you know, um, there's different types of cognitive and behavioral therapies that are out there um, that can assist in somebody to change their behaviors and um, develop healthier and adaptive coping mechanisms uh, aside from that. 
So therapy is, 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 a, is a mainstay. But if there's an underlying um, depression or anxiety or other mental health issue that needs other types of treatment other, and therapy is not working, um, you know, there are medications out there that can help and they address the primary underlying problem. You know, if substance abuse is a part of it and somebody is only cutting or making suicidal, um, you know, threats or behaviors uh, while under the influence or associated with substance use, you know, getting that addiction or substance use problem addressed is, is, a, is another modality to get them into treatment. And so that's important. Uh, I think the hallmark or take home point is, is that, you know, whatever associated or underlying problem is there to that, you know, negative behavior, that self-injurious behavior needs to be addressed first and through therapies, uh, medications or rehabilitation. Dr. Ba, is there anything else on this topic that you think people should know? You know, it's, it's a difficult thing for people to talk about, you know, and um, it's often hidden. And um, just becoming aware and having awareness of the fact that, you know, um, self-injury is not necessarily always equated to uh, the intent of someone wanting to die but at the same time it's not a healthy way to manage your emotions and there is help out there um, in the form of treatments uh, therapies uh, medications and if you are associated if it is associated with a substance use you know problem um, getting into a, a licensed uh, treatment center or going to a licensed practitioner to get help but the point is, there is help out there, you know, to live a life without, you know, harming yourself and, um, you know, developing alternative healthy coping mechanisms um, to get through difficult times and difficult feelings. Thank you for sharing that. If anyone is listening to this who is struggling with self-harm or knows someone who is, don't wait to reach out for help. There are treatment options available and professionals who can offer guidance. To learn more about mental health, addiction, and treatment options, you can go to addictioncenter.com or you can check out more podcast episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.